Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Good afternoon to everybody in the world. Thanks for tuning in. This is Rob Star along with Mr. Chris Davies, and we are the host of the Water Zone Show. We appreciate you uh, turning in, turning on, and listening to us. And you know, um, a couple weeks ago, we had told you, right? I told you that uh, our our show, after it goes to a podcast, was rated as number fifteen in the world when it comes to podcasts dealing with water. And as of a week and a half ago, we have now moved up to number eleven. So thanks to all of you for listening in, whether you do it live, whether you do it on the podcast, we do appreciate that. And um, we're certainly humbled by that. I, it's, it's, I, I'm just amazed at how we got here and, 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 and the, uh, the audience that we have, and it keeps growing and uh, giving us lots of fun and pleasure and, and hopefully giving you lots of education about water. Mr. Davey, how are you today? I'm, I'm a little bit better. As you know, Rob, been a little bit under the weather this week. I, too, am just ecstatic about uh, our ranking there, especially the fact that if we move up just one more slot, we're in the top ten. Absolutely. You know, I never never thought that wasn't a goal when we started this eight years ago. And, uh, but with, with, with all the awards that we've gotten, it's just uh, amazing to me. And uh, I'm glad people appreciate us, and uh, they can call into the show if they want, or, or, or send us emails and and, and things. And um, we we got to start another contest, and I got to think about you and I can think about what kind of contest we can do so somebody can win some really nice prizes. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited, and again, very humbled and honored that uh, that that we got the ranking, especially within two weeks, moved up to number eleven, and uh, and it'll be awesome to get in the top ten and. You know, I, I looked at the competition, and it's from all over the all over the globally, all over the world. And there's a lot of good uh, people that are doing those podcasts, and some of them that we know personally. And uh, we wish them the best on their show too. And uh, we do appreciate that. Well, let's bring in our one of our most favorite ladies, who's a, a contributor to the show. And as I said to you guys before the show, I know I was born with the last name Star, but you guys are the real stars of the show, and I appreciate that. So, Miss Chris Aww. Austin. So, Miss Chris Austin. Welcome to the Water Zone again. Oh, well, thank you. How's everyone doing today? Great, Chris. Yeah, we're surviving, doing well. We're so, having a, a wonderful, spectacular day up here in the North State. Got blue skies and temperatures at like, you know, about 60 degrees. So uh, we're we're real tired of the rain. <laughs> Well, it was it was 81 and sunny yesterday. Now it's uh, been partly cloudy today. Now it's getting really overcast, and we're expecting some rain. Most of it towards the north of Arizona. But uh, Chris, uh, Davey, how, what's happening at your area in Southern California? Everything that Miss Austin was experiencing yesterday is now here today. Oh. <laughs> As you know, the, the weather comes from the north to south, and so what she had yesterday, those clouds. I'm looking out my window. Chris, I'm looking at the same clouds you had last, yesterday. We got about an inch to an inch and a quarter here where where I live. But the but the the significant thing is that the mountains here in Southern California got yet another, you know, anywhere from a half a foot to in the lower elevations, and that's about four thousand feet and above, to two feet at uh, seven thousand five hundred feet and above. So still more snow for the hard hit Southern California mountain area. 
Yeah, and you know, it's when you look at the snow plot, you know, where they have it broken out by north, central, and south. Up here, the northern Sierra, I mean, it's a it's a healthy snowpack. It's you know, it's above average, but it's not the it's not tracking as the snowiest up in this section of the snowpack. And then in the central Sierra, which is sort of um, you know up above, let's say uh, Fresno and the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, that one is has more snow than the northern section, and when you look at the <laughs> southern, uh, it's it's like 258 percent of normal. It's the most snow they ever had. It's record breaking, and uh, you know it's going to be. Uh, it, it we all love the snowpack, and we're all happy for it, certainly. But uh, it's going to be causing some impacts. Uh, for for a long time, it, well into the summer. Uh, you know, there's all that snow that up above uh, in the central Sierra that's going down into the San Joaquin Valley, and they're having flooding issues, and they will continue to have flooding issues. You know, just because it stopped raining or snowing doesn't mean that the rivers came down. They, the rivers will continue. And I I think, you know, it's going to be hard in the San Joaquin Valley, uh, certainly, because they're going to have to be dealing with that runoff coming down. But I think it's going to, it's really going to test things in Southern California, because that's record-breaking snowpack up there. And all that water's got to come down. And that means down the mountain and through the rivers and through, you know, the L.A. River, through those concrete channels. <laughs> and through the woods to Grandma's house. Yeah. And and also means, you know, those rivers went also this summer when all this snow melt is flowing into the rivers. Those rivers are going to be cold, very cold. And that is... Uh, that's dangerous. They're going to be running fast and running cold. So um, being safe around the rivers this year, especially in the San Joaquin Valley and in, in, you know, Los Angeles, I know a lot of people that go up into the San Gabriel Canyon and recreate along the San Gabriel River up there, but it's going to be, you know, high water and cold water this year. So, um, you know, people are going to need to be safe. Uh, yeah, that's when they're right. out all there. The water that, all the water that those kids are splashing in and playing in in those little pools, what they don't realize is that the day before, it was ice. It was snow that just melted. So, you know, it's going to be cold. Before we get off the subject of the snowpack, Chris, let me ask you. So, you know, we all know, actually, that April 1st is sort of like the target date, the key date for measuring mm-hmm. the snowpack. And, and a lot is determined by what they find on uh, on uh, on April 1st. So, I mean, what you just said really it sets the stage, doesn't it, for what we can what we can expect from from uh, uh, a water source and a water supply standpoint for the re- remainder of the year. Yeah, up here on uh, in the California water system, I think things are looking pretty darn spectacular. I think it's, you know, Oroville and Shasta for several months, Shasta just didn't seem to be picking up water, but now all of a sudden Shasta's shooting up, uh, the level's gone up, and, and this is great. 
we may fill up our, all our reservoirs this year in California. Um, now, what it means for the Colorado River Basin, yes, they have got a lot of snow too, but that that snow is not going to have nearly the same effect as it did here in California. The main reason is that uh, Lake Mead and Lake Powell are massive reservoirs on on the on the probably at least six seven times probably ten times more than our la- largest reservoir here in California. Uh, there's just no way <laughs> that those reservoirs could fill in a year, and if they did, it would be very devastating to everybody living in the basin. That would be a tremendous amount of precipitation. Um, and while we having lots of extreme precipitation, I don't think we're going to get it like that. At least we all hope not. Um, but so it's different on the Colorado River Basin. But here in California, we're we're looking good. They raise the water allocations now up to 75% to 80%, and they're really looking like uh, if they're probably going to raise them again. We may even have 100% allocation on the state water project, which just hasn't happened since maybe, I think it happened in the early 2000s, like maybe 2004 or something, but generally it's a lot, it's a lot less. Um, and this is really good news for Southern California because they were staring at, uh, you know, all their reservoirs and their stories circling the drain. Had this year been dry, there would have been really strict uh, water restrictions throughout Southern California, throughout their entire service area. I mean, they were really looking at, like, you know, that the the few areas that were really constrained last year could only water once a week and only 10 minutes per zone. Um, and we, you would have been looking at that, something similar to that, if they even allowed outdoor watering uh, throughout Southern California. So they were really looking at, at a bad situation. Now they're moving all sorts of water into storage and they were uh, Metropolitan was actually able to move what's called Article 21 water, which is when the state water project has water it can divert, but it has no place to store it because all the storage south of the delta is full, then uh, water agencies can take take that water and, and put it somewhere. So Metropolitan is squirreling all sorts of water into uh, storage to replenish the storage supplies that they drew down over three years of of dry conditions. So uh, it's quite a stunning turnaround, <laughs> I have to say. I'm I am surprised, and and it will mean you know it, it will mean that we won't have to face such uh, big drought issues this year. Um, it doesn't mean that Maven's notebook packs up and goes home because we have still have a lot of other issues and uh, and drought. It will come again, uh, that we know. But uh, you know, so but we'll be able to focus on other things. We'll find other things to argue about. <laughs> Chris, do you know if there's? I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about 
how the drought comes and the drought goes and it rains come and the rains go. Is there a place that has a chart that shows maybe going back? Uh, I, I know we always, we being uh, our population, you know, our population has, you know, only kept records for 150, 200 years, but is there some document that can show over a period of a thousand years what what has been the swings back and forth? Oh, absolutely, yes. Oh, they figured that out. Um, with it's uh, they use tree ring records, uh-huh. <clears throat> and they you know they can tell by the width of the tree rings was it a wet year or was it a dry year by how much that tree grew. So uh, they really have determined this, and they have you know there's a number of scary things that have come out of it. One of it is that these last 150 years in terms of the what they call the paleo record that they've derived from tree trunks, uh, tree rings, and, and also geological core borings, uh, they, they have uh, determined that these last 150 years have been actually unusually wet for North America. Uh, the Colorado River and, uh, of course, everything we do here in California which means that we sort of built our water supply system on this, you know, this great precipitation that was really kind of unusual in, given the whole geologic time record. So that's kind of a problem uh, that we have. Um, the other thing it showed is that uh, the state, California, has had uh, – very long droughts lasting hundreds of years, now, not just, you know, not a five or a ten year, but hundreds of years drought. Now, what that means is that it, do, it doesn't mean that it didn't rain in California for 200, 300 years. It, that's, that, it doesn't mean that, but it means they're generally dry conditions that were punctuated with these very, very wet years. So, in a way, something kind of similar to what we have been experiencing, dry conditions, and then all of a sudden, here is a whole you know, enormous amount of rain. Uh, we're not likely to get an enormous amount of rain next year. We might, uh, we might not, but that is the story of California's climate, is that it's always been swings between droughts and floods, <laughs> and that's sort of the way it goes. Uh, well, and not, guess, not something we're going to rise above. No, I, I guess thousands of years ago, because the, the population in the world was a lot lower than it is today, uh, I'm sure the conditions were different or they reacted different. They, you know, here when you got U.S. 300 million people sucking water down every day and using it, uh, that goes a lot faster than if you only had, you know, 2,000 people. <laughs> Yeah, no, who, who were Native Americans living on the landscape and, you right. know, used used to, um, I mean, they they understood where they lived and they understood, you know, how how to live in there. So, yep. You're absolutely you know, right. yeah, it's, uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But for right now, we, we got a lot of good things, you know, we got a lot of, I've got a lot of water in our reservoirs, and we're going to hope that, you know, it's not too bad down in the San Joaquin Valley or in uh, Los Angeles when all that water starts to melt, yeah, yeah, all that snow. 
We have we have problems out here. There's a lake called Lake Pleasant, and due to the floods out in Arizona, that just piled it with a bunch of dead tree trunks and all kinds of junk in the in, in the thing. So it's pretty dirty right now. What what's uh, what what's what other news is going on in uh, in California with uh, with water this week? Well, it looks like uh, we have another groundwater sustainability plan that's going to be uh, rejected. So I think that means we have seven now, possibly, although it's not official yet. Uh, but this was a groundwater agency in the San Joaquin Valley that was made up of, like, I think five or six other, you know, sub-GSAs, and they were all meant to approve this plan, and they all had to adopt it uh, in order to get it through, you know, approved through the Department of Water Resources, and one of those sub-GSAs said, no, not going to sign it. So that means that the basin now is out of compliance. And and what that means is the state could possibly step in to manage the basin until they get their uh, an adequate uh, plan developed and filed. Uh, and there's like, the, we're talking six or seven GSAs now, all in the San Joaquin Valley, um, that are now facing intervention by the state agency. And this is new. We haven't ever really had this before. So uh, we're all kind of uh, looking forward to seeing what happens. Not We're not looking forward to seeing people fail. I don't, I don't mean to make it sound like that. But I think we're looking forward to see how this process is going to work uh, because this was the goal the state said you had to manage your groundwater basin sustainably, and it gave the parameters for you to do that. And so far, uh, everybody has been uh, complying with the regulation. They were all told to form, you know, little groundwater sustainability agencies for their basins, and they did that. And they were all told to file plans with the Department of Resources, and they all did that. But now, now it's down to are the plans adequate? And the answer is on seven of them uh, apparently is no. So what is the state board going to do? We'll we'll all, we'll all be waiting to see what happens. Anything else uh, noteworthy from the governor this week? Oh, I don't think this week. Last week, he he rescinded the uh, requirement or the request to uh, to no longer you know no longer pushing everybody to conserve water, although they all want you to continue to do so. Uh, he didn't totally rescind the drought emergency for which he's getting a little bit of flack. Uh, but he's. I think it, this mainly pointed at Southern California now with the problems on the Colorado River, and I think he's reluctant to do that. But he's he's getting some flack for it. But it's uh it's really hard to talk drought when you have a record-breaking snowpack and flooding and everything. I think it's you're, you're right. Hard. You're right. But I think also that a lot of the major water agencies or even the smaller ones have done a great job over the past couple of years 
with their education programs and stuff and really helped uh, reduce water a lot. And, oh, and they, yeah, they, they, absolutely. They, you know, that they again, stand up and, you know, applaud them because uh, they did a great job in that. But it, but it, but you know the the more the, the the more you have to dig into that and keep going lower and lower and lower, those those little bits are the ones that hurt the most and they're the hardest to achieve, and costly. costly. Yeah, and you know it, it. I think it really puts uh, the water agencies in an untenable position to have to sit there and start you know still still be saying drought 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 while the public's going snow rain. What are you talking about? It it, it uh, speaks a bit to the credibility, I think, because they're just not going to believe it. And if you if you keep saying drought at a time like this, then when the drought does return, which it will, maybe next year, maybe the year after, um, you know, the people are less likely to to listen. They'll be like, "Well, you're always saying it's a drought. What's new? Yeah, look, we had a record-breaking snowpack, and you're saying it was a drought." You know, and, and and I think they stop listening. So I think you do have to pull back on the gas pedal, uh, but not take your foot off because we're going to be back in a drought, and it's going to be another uh, another opportunity to uh, you know outreach for people. Well, it's just, it's just smart to understand what what happens, and like I was talking earlier with you about you know going back time in history, you know, thousand years and. What, what the weather transitions and things. It's good to know that history, and we need to know how to prepare for stuff like that in the future, and, and, and we shouldn't let off of that at all. And oh, no. No, absolutely not. And, you know, while we California's always had this variability, the new thing, the new parameter that's really kind of throwing people is the temperature. Uh, we have these rising uh rising temperatures and they have changed so much about how the landscape takes in the water how much the trees drink and how much sinks into the ground and how much shows up in the reservoir changed things very dramatically that they weren't people weren't prepared for so they've been working on their models and trying to you know get a grip on that but yeah you know we and if you live in California, and really if you live anywhere, if you've been listening to the news, uh, we, you know, the time for wasting water is long past done. You know, we just can't, uh, we just can't continue to use water like we have uh, over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. We're all going to need to be more careful with our well, water use. Well, it's just like, you know... Do they do? Does everybody understand the true value of water and the cost of that? And and even even if we all conserve or use water more efficiently, and it's less for the retailers to sell, they still have the operations that they have to maintain. They still have the plants. They still have to do all of that work uh, to keep <laughs> yeah. it going. So everybody gets so it's you know people need to understand. I mean, Europe and and, and places like Israel, uh, those are good examples of how people learned about uh, the education of water and what the true value is and what they're paying for it. So uh, I, I think that will hit here sometime in the near future. That's just well, my prediction. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I, I think we, we need to stop looking at all of our natural resources as something we don't need to be concerned about conserving. You know, we need to, we're going to be facing 
constraints on electricity. Uh, and no, water is not going to get cheaper. It's probably going to get more expensive. Uh, and, and for a multitude, multitude of reasons, uh, maybe the water agency has to go out and purchase supplies. Um, there's always, they're always upgrading drinking water uh, parameters, drinking water quality objectives that, you know, people, uh, water agencies have to, uh, you know, work to achieve. And that takes new equipment and new processes. And um, it's just, you know, it's just going to be a fact, unfortunately. Water is not going to get cheaper, but only more expensive. I look at water the same as I do electricity. I mean, we got you know we got to worry about making sure that they, they remain whole and they remain safe. Because once if somebody decides that they want to attack either one of those, would be in a, a, a deep pile of you know what. Well, anyway, Chris, <laughs> we're, we're we're up against our commercial break, and uh, we love having you on every single week. And uh, for some of our guests, uh, the listeners, uh, you're going to be at the uh, American Society of Irrigation Consultants, and when is that? Um. Uh, April 24th, I believe. And you're, and you're giving the keynote speech, and we're going to see you out there and do some uh, do some uh, live uh, <laughs> interviews. So we appreciate that. For our listeners, please go to mavensnotebook.com. You can become a subscriber. You get the information about water every single day right on your computer. And you can also become a sponsor if you'd like. And you can go to www.mavensnotebook.com. So, Chris, you have a great week. Stay dry if you can. And we'll be talking with you next week. All right. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back in just a moment. And we have a special featured guest that uh, everybody's going to really enjoy. And uh, we'll be back in just about a minute or two. KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulations. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Oh, well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes, a better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. 
EcoSuries products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. Now available in a medium-bodied fast-setting blue formula, 905 Eco, and a regular-bodied fast-setting clear formula, 900 Eco. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about Eco solvent cements from Weldon, visit the website at www.weldon.com or call the Technical Service Hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. KCAA. All right, so welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone with uh, Chris Davey and myself, Rob Starr. Hope everybody's having a great afternoon. Um, I'm very excited to have the next guest. She's our featured guest, and we've, I've known her for quite a few number of years. And I call her a wow woman, and that's not being a sexist. Wow is woman, a woman of water. And uh, she has made, I'll use the term, a big splash in the water industry. And she's a great person, really smart, and she's the head of sustainability and, and water conservation for Irvine Ranch Water District. So her name is Fiona Sanchez. Fiona, welcome to the Water Zone. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. And hi, Chris. I remember working with you back a while as well. So it's nice to be here. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I, hope I, got you, I hope I got your title correct. <laughs> um, I well, 